Amen. Amen. Sure. What an intro. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> no, 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 no. There's somebody here with even a better beard. Where is that gentleman? Richard. Richard, there's a, there's a, where is he? Is he downstairs? There is, this, there is this decorum with guys with beards. Anybody with a bigger beard than yours, you salute him. You, you bow to the superiority of somebody else's beard, you know. Might I just say John Calvin had a great beard as well. And might I just say that? <laughs> oh, it's so good to be with you guys. I think the last time we were with you guys, we were still in Oatsran. You guys were in that, in Fuertrecker Hall. Yes, that's a few years back. And um, it's amazing to see. I want to honor this couple here a little bit. You guys, man, well done to this team. This is amazing to see what the Lord is doing in George. Keep on keeping on. And I hope and pray that even this morning, as I bring the word, just something I felt the Lord drop in my heart for this congregation, um, it's just going to be stirring you guys to even more to the next level, to precept upon precept, the Bible says, line upon line, and one degree of glory to the next. So well done, guys. Well done for this, for the family. This is beautiful. Thank you that we can be part of it as Muscle Bay as well. We're just uh, on the other side, you know, 50 k's away. We didn't realize how far it is this morning. So, <laughs> again. <laughs> I lived in Oatsran, and everything was within six-kilometer radius. You guys say everything is close. No, no, Oatsran, everything is close. <laughs> it takes you two minutes to get anywhere. If you 10 k's outside of Oatsran, you go on holiday. Okay. <laughs> That's how it was. Can we get that slide up? Ordinary heroes. There's going to be a time, I believe, not believe, I know, the Word tells us, where our faith is actually going to become sight. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 9 and 10 tells us, right now we see by faith, but there's going to be a time when we, are, as the people of God, we're going to see fully. Now we're looking into a mirror dimly, the Bible says. But there's going to be a moment where we're going to see face to face. And I think one of the glorious things I'm also, apart from seeing Jesus face to face and sitting at his feet, we're going to see some of the heroes of the faith. We're going to see, we're going to see Abraham. Who's, who's excited about that? I am. I'm super excited. I have a lot of questions for Abraham, you know. Moses and Joshua and Samuel and Ruth and Paul and Peter and John, and David, and Hilles, and Sibichai, and Ahiam, and Hezro, and Zabad. <laughs> Did you recognize any of those names that I just mentioned to you? But these are men of faith. In the book of Chronicles, 1 Chronicles chapter 11, we see them listed as the mighty men of David. And I want to I camp a little bit this morning around them. And I have entitled this morning, Ordinary Heroes, because these men, they were ordinary heroes. This could be you, and it should be you. Just the things that they have done, the mighty exploits that they have done, each one of us, I believe in this place, can do this morning. So 1 Chronicles chapter 11 verse 10 says this, 
Now these are the chiefs of David's mighty men who gave him strong support in his kingdom together with all Israel to make him king according to the word of the Lord concerning Israel. So each one of these men, and I want to do quickly just three things and then we'll actually look at two of them and their lives and what they've done. Each of these are role models for us today. And why are they role models for us today? Well, the first thing that these men did was they applied their strength and they applied their courage and their courageous action towards what God has promised. In other words, they were saying, I'm going to live for the promises of God. God has promised something and I'm going to lay down my life and I'm going to give it. The promise that God gave Israel was that David was going to be king. That's the promise that God gave Israel. But the thing is this, there were outlying areas that didn't believe it. There were people in the kingdom that didn't believe it yet. And these men were going to prove that David is king. And for us, I believe really in this morning as well, there are people in this city. This is a city, hey. Okay. Town. What is the difference? I don't know. You have an airport. P.W. Buta said so. <laughs> because he had a house in wilderness. That's why. <laughs> it's just, it's, I'm going to call it a city. It's big enough. There's people in the city that don't know Jesus. There's people that work with you. There's people in your schools, in your, in your varsities. There are people around you. Maybe your neighbor that don't know Jesus. And they need to know about this glorious king. And you need to apply your strength and your courage and say, Lord, I want to preach this gospel to them. And this is what these guys did. It wasn't enough for them that the prophet Samuel just anointed David back when he was a teenager. The Israeli elders gathered and declared David a new king. But in the villages and especially on the borders of the land, not everyone was convinced yet. The rule of God's appointed king was yet to be established. Enemies were still living inside the land promised to God's people. There's still enemies in the city. There's still things that are coming against the people of God. That's why I'm calling you to be strong and courageous this morning. The second thing is that these heroes, they didn't just sit back. You know, forgive me if I, no, don't, if I offend you with this, what I'm going to say now, then the elders will deal with it. <laughs> They'll deal with me. I'm an elder too. I think one of the biggest lies that we've believed is this little saying. Let go and let God. Let me tell you why. It sounds so noble. It sounds so good. But the problem is we have created a passive Christian when we say let go and let God. Let me rather say this. Trust God and get going. Because that is faith. Faith is now. Faith is not something that I'm passive about. Faith is always now and active. It's not something that we're just sitting. And I, rem I understand there's moments in time when we rest in Him. I understand that fully. But I, this, even this morning, as Chad was saying, we are like in the last milliseconds, man. I don't think it's time for us to 
sit on our blessed assurance and just wait. You know, I remember the Christians of the 50s and 60s, they had a song, the glory train, you know, is coming. I'm on this train, you know. Slow train coming, Bob Dylan. Slow train coming. Now, my friends, I don't know. I think this is heading somewhere. And we need to be on it, and we need to be ready. We need to be a people of faith and action, not just the people that's talking about this stuff. These men, they weren't that type of men. They were men of action. They couldn't just sit back. Too many people got words years ago. Some of you are sitting in this congregation. You got words years ago from people. And you basically said, well, God promised, and I am sure He will fulfill His word one day concerning me. I'm telling you right now, this is the moment that God wants to fulfill. What are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? Not these men. They didn't wait. They stepped up and took action to make the promise become reality. Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 2 to 4 says this. And the Lord answered me, write the vision. Make it plain on tablets. You see, first guys to have tablets in the Bible. Okay. <laughs> iPads. So he may run and read it. For still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. Behold, his soul is puffed up. It is not upright within him. But the righteous shall live by faith. This is how we live. This is something that Martin Luther stood up for. This was the beginning of the Reformation 506 years, I think now, ago, when he nailed those theses, 95 theses against Wittenberg's door and said, no more, no more. John Calvin said this, and I, and I love these men because they stood up for something. He says that a dog will bark when his owner is attacked. So somewhere, my friends, we need to start speaking for Jesus. Yes, Jesus can defend himself and he will. But there's something about us that God wants to partner with us. That he's saying, now is the time to wake up and get up and be a people. The righteous shall live by faith. Now faith is the substance of the things hoped for. Evidence of the things not seen. Now, not, not tomorrow. You know what they say about uh, procrastinators, hey? Procrastinators unite tomorrow. <laughs> That's what we do. That's what we do. Okay. This is how the righteous live. They understood that God's work in the world is usually a joint project. It's not, it's not singular. It's not me. It's a community project. Church is a community project. You can't do this on your own. You need Jesus and you need the fellowship of the saints. He works with us as we yield ourselves to work with him. James chapter 2 verse 14 to 18 says this. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food and one of you say to him, go in peace, be warmed and filled. 
without giving him the things needed for the body. What good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, it is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. This is not works that saves us. But because of Jesus that saved us, we want to work for Jesus. And Ephesians chapter 2.10 tells us very clearly, we are His workmanship. We are His poem is the word that is used there. God is writing something about your life. And He says, He has spoken these things over your life. How many times do you still want another word and another confirmation and another? I'm waiting on, I'm putting out the fleece. I mean, gosh, that fleece is wet. It's wet around it. It's wet on top of it. It's wet everywhere. How many fleeces do you want to put out? It's time to get up and say, Lord, yes. Come to the elders and say, yes, that's me. Some of these men stood up. These are guys that I have watched in the last year. They know nothing about community leading. Jan David, what do you know? A year ago, Jan David was fighting theologically with me. Okay. A year ago. He was. He'll tell you. But yet he's sitting and today is leading a community. Why? That's because he's good looking and smart, but that's also, and he's single. Just putting it out there. <laughs> if you travel with me, it's dangerous. I'm just saying. <laughs> Michael is also single. Tian's also single. <laughs> you guys came to spy out the land. You, you guys. I'm just coming now and reciprocating. <laughs> we love it. We do arrange marriages as well. Come talk to me. <laughs> Talk to me afterwards. But they said, yes, Lord. I might not be qualified for this. I might not know what I'm always doing. But Lord, yes. I have one life, Lord. And I want to make it count. So, how do you spell faith? R-I-S-K. That's how you spell it. R-I-S-K. You've got to risk. And that's exactly what these men did. They risked their lives. They left their families and they headed for dangerous territories. And what would be a dangerous territory for you today? What would be a dangerous thing to do for you stepping out in 2022 and 2023 to do mighty exploits for Jesus? What would be that thing? For you, it might just be to share the gospel. For the first time, there is nothing as beautiful to see. Literally, the lights go on when somebody, when the Holy Spirit drops in his heart and he comes alive. He was dead in his trespasses, the Bible says, and now he's alive in Christ. It's nothing as beautiful. I want to challenge this congregation. I want to say to you, in the next year, each one reach one. One person. One person. This building will be too small in a year's time. It's already too small. 
one person for the Lord in this year. Not as, not as dead works, my friends. Not as something I'm, oh my goodness, the pastor said I must do something. No, no, no. Do it as unto the Lord. Jesus gave you life. He gave you life in abundance. There's something interesting that happens in the book of Chronicles chapter 11. And I want you to go read it at home. From about verse 15 to verse 29, David is asking some of his men, three of them, for water. He's like, yes, ek smaak a bieke water. Ek dors. It sounds like an old Pentecostal song. <laughs> and these men go, and they're like, okay, cool, we'll go get it for you. They break through the enemy. They go get the water. They bring, they run back with this glass of water, or whatever it was, jug, whatever it was, gives it to him. He goes, I can't drink this. And he pours it out. She's I mean, you guys almost died for this. And I'll pour it out as a drink offering. Thank you. I mean, that's a bit of a risk. If you lived in Cape Town, who's lived in Cape Town before? And I'm like, yeah, that's lekker water in Mannenberg. Okay. <laughs> hey, and you've got to go into, into Grassy Park or Mannenberg or somewhere. And I'm asking you to go there, to go get me water. The water is lekker there. That's pretty much what these oaks did. Beyond enemy lines, my friends. But for you. And you know, it was a posture of their heart. We'll see just now. It was just a posture of their heart. How they positioned themselves. In actual fact, they came to David and said, we are yours. Our hearts are linked with you. We are yours. So the point I would like to make this morning is the good news of Jesus Christ will be preached in hostile towns, hostile towns and cities. It will be preached in this city. It will be preached in the dangerous areas. And sometimes our more affluent areas are the more dangerous areas today. That's where more divorce is happening. That's where more drug abuse is happening. We just cover it up. We just cover it up. So only by mighty men and women who dare to risk all for the sake of the king and his kingdom. Let's stop accepting the status quo. What is the status quo? Most probably in this town, apathy, lethargy. I don't know what it is. I don't know. The guys that pray a lot. What are the, what are the main things in this town? What are the main things? I knew what, was, what it was in Otsaran. It was lust and greed. Religion. Are we settling for that? Independence. That's a big one. Let's not settle for that. Let's show them Jesus by the manner of our lives. Our love for one another. He says, that's how they will know that you are my disciples. Not by the, your individuality. Not by your individuality, but being part of a family. Because God puts the lonely into family. Let's start standing in the gap for George. Let's start fighting valiantly in the power of the Spirit. 
Let's start praying for our city. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 18 says this. Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. Supplication, you know what that means? Begging God. That's what it means. Lord, I'm begging you for my town. When was the last time that you travailed? And that's a big word. You know, I'm coming back to my big words. When was the last time you travailed in prayer? When was the last time you prayed and cried over your city? Go find a high place. Go stand on the hill and look over your town, over your city, and start praying for them. Like Jesus praying, saying, How I've longed to gather you like little chickens under my wing. Praying for your city. Praying for the schools. Praying for the businesses. That's what I'm here to encourage you about this morning. Common people doing uncommon things for God. Acts chapter 4 verse 13, one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated. These weren't oaks that studied at Fuller or Dallas Theological Seminary or Cemetery. I don't know which way you look at it. They didn't go to Oxford or Harvard or anything like that. They were uneducated, common men. Not as in common with a C, the car. Not that one, just not that common. Common men. They were astonished and they recognized, this is what they will recognize, guys, that they had been with Jesus. Oh, that's all I want. That's all I desire, that people will see Jesus. Nothing else. Look past the facade. Look past the beard. Look past my two adopted children. Look past my beautiful wife. Look past everything. See Jesus. That's all. That's my desire, and that's my desire this morning for each one of you. It's not about your education. It's not about any of these things. Their hearts have been touched by Jesus. What we desperately need in this day and age are, are not Christians full of cliches and self-importance. A lot of worship is truly about me. I mean, if I count before you even hit the, the chorus in some of the songs and you say 37 times I, then there's a problem with that song. That's my problem with this world. We're so enamored about ourselves and, and just so, it's, I'm so important. No, the person next to you is dying. They need Jesus. I once said this, maybe this is why I'm not leading Oatsaran anymore, but I once said this. I said, you are so full of yourself. You're so full of yourself, you can't even swallow your own pride. Man, what an indictment. I'm so full of myself that I can't swallow my pride. Lord, empty me of me and fill me with your Holy Spirit. That's what I need. Less of me, God, and more of you. We don't need trying to solve worldly problems with secular humanism. We don't need new age therapy or self-help books or whatever. 
I'm walking into a Christian bookshop and there's a whole shelf on diet books. I'm like, my wife's asking me, why is there diet books? I, I, I don't know. A whole shelf dedicated. How to diet. And then we put it, slap it, give it a lucky name, the, the, the Daniel Fast. What is up with that? Have you seen in your Christian bookshop the shelf that says how to be a servant? No, no, no. There's a big shelf on leadership. Jesus says, I came to serve. I want to follow in his footsteps. I just want to wash people's feet. Well, in, in my case, you can wash my car because that's really what it meant if you want to know. Because they walked so much, that was their cars. That's it. We just started a new one. Car wash ministry. What we need are men and women who will step out in faith, men and women that will take risks for turning back, the sliding towards godlessness. A generation that is sliding away. I, I posted something the other day in one of our leaders groups. Just of some of the things. 50, I think 54% of evangelicals in America believe right now that the first thing that God created was Jesus. Did you hear me when I said that? They don't even believe in the divinity of Jesus anymore. They believe God created Jesus. They don't believe in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit that we so. <laughs> Angels are not even on that bike anymore. <sighs> My friends, we need, to, we need to turn back from prayerless churches. Families that are breaking up, declining in evangelism. Men like Peter that preached under the anointing on the day of Pentecost. That's what we need. In the book of Acts chapter 2, we see that. Peter said this. And they're like, what must we do? He says, men and women, save yourselves from this wicked generation. And they were cut to the heart and 3,000 people got saved. So in ending, I want to look at two of these men. So if you're in the book of Chronicles, please turn there. 1 Chronicles chapter 11, verse 11. This is an account of David's mighty men. Yashubim. I'm going to talk about him. A Hachmonite was chief of the three. He wielded his spear against 300 whom he killed at one time. Okay, uh, read it again for yourself. One guy kills 300 people with one spear. He didn't shoot them with a shotgun, G5 cannon or anything like that. One spear, 300 men. It's about double the amount of people that's sitting here. I'll kill all 300. I didn't. But look at this. You might say this is impossible. 
I want to say to you, not when you have the power and the presence of God. When you have the power and the presence of God, then you can. Then you can do that. When it comes to spiritual matters, you and I will never know our potential in Jesus Christ until we step out and take risks on the front line of battle. Romans chapter 8 verse 31 and verse 35 to 37 says this, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? I want to turn that around as well and say, if God be against you, who can be for you? Okay, just, just saying that. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. It's not bumper sticker theology that. This is truth. We like to put those things on our fridges and we like to slap a sticker on our, on our car, you know. Those cars that fall apart, this car is held together by Psalm 91 stickers. One of those. How do you know a fish is a Christian? He's got a car in his back. <laughs> I don't know. I'm here all day. We will never see, we will never see what power. I'm, I'm, Chad, I'm, I'm preaching myself happy. I'm just saying that. Okay. <laughs> we will never see, we will never see what power and anointing are possible until we bond with our king and go out and establish his kingdom. Once we see it, once we join our hearts, and this is that verse in, it's in 1 Chronicles 12 where, where they actually give their hearts to David. You've got to give your heart to the king. You've got to give your heart to Jesus and say, I am bonded to you. In actual fact, I think you guys preached on it, on slaves. You know, the amazing thing is, and not, I haven't listened to your preach. But the preach, the thing is this. The ESV has changed that word to bondservant. But the word is still doulos, which means slave. I am a slave. I've been a slave to sin, but now I am a slave to righteousness. He is my master. He bought me with blood. No one else paid that price for me. So I belong to him. And where the master is, the slave must be. I want to be where he is. So if he says to me, I need to go to Ireland or wherever, I, I want to be there. I want to be where Jesus is and he's sending me. That is the desire of my heart. <laughs> that is the desire of my heart. Ah, oh, Lord. Sitting safely in community groups and Bible studies among ourselves or complaining about the horrible state of our country or our schools. And society does nothing to unleash the power of God. It was once said, complaining never makes anything better. Complaining makes nothing better. 
God meets us in the moment of the battle. And the next guy that we see is Eleazar. And in verse, four, uh, verse 12, do you actually you have them? Verse 12 to 14. Wonderful. And next to him, among the three mighty men, was Eleazar, the son of Dodo. Not those things that died out years ago. <laughs> he was with David at Pasdamim, when the Philistines were gathered there for battle. There was a plot of ground full of barley, and the men fled from the Philistines. Everybody, the whole army fled. But David and Eleazar, they stood their ground. But he took he stand in the midst of the plot and defended it and killed the Philistines. And the Lord saved them by a great victory. Are you going to be Eleazar when everybody is running away? And you're going to defend what the Lord has called you to do. Maybe somebody next to you might desert you. Maybe somebody next to you might run away. But you will stand your ground because God has spoken. See, we see in verse 13 there how formidable the enemy was. The men fled from the Philistines. This wasn't a little skirmish, my friend. This was all out war against a superior opponent. What would you do in this situation? Would you run with the rest of the guys or would you stand your ground? We see again the combo of the human and the divine efforts. We see that I am in His presence. There is power. There is fullness of power in His presence. That's where we get it from. God didn't act alone. He could have. He could have unleashed hail, lightning from heaven, and struck down the Philistines. He's done it before. He can't do it again. Instead, he was looking across the barley field to see who would stay and who would fight. Second Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9 in Proverbs 28 says this. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to give strong support to those whose heart is blameless towards him. You have done foolishly in this, for whom you now will have wars. But he's looking for a man and a woman that is blamelessly towards him. Proverbs 28. The wicked flee. I love this one. This is for all the runners. Just by the way. The wicked runs away when no one is running after them. Okay, that's why wicked people run. I'm just saying. But the righteous, the righteous... I was bold as a lion. <laughs> I'm built for comfort and not for speed. I'm just saying. <laughs> Here we go. See, I got an amen there. Thank you, brother. I see that end. You see, while others left in fear, David and Eliezer, righteous men, blameless men, lived by faith and stood firm by faith. Look at this quickly in 2 Samuel chapter 23, verse 10. It, it even adds more detail to the story. He arose and struck down the Philistines until, listen to this, his hand was weary and his hand clung to the sword. And the Lord brought about a great victory that day and the men returned after him only to strip 
the slain. In other words, he was so, his hand, he couldn't even loosen it anymore. Because he was fighting. Do you have the sword in your hand? Do you have the word of God? Is it like a fire that is shut up in your bones and you cannot contain it like Jeremiah said? Your hand, hold firmly the sword. What the world needs today is this kind of determination and, and desperate faith that grips the word, the sword of the Spirit, and won't let go until victory comes. Until victory comes. Can we quickly look at Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12? We're almost done. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, and joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart of man. That's what we need. Let us lay aside the distractions of life today. And do exploits in the spiritual realm for the Lord Jesus. Let us press forward for the kingdom of God and advance the kingdom of God. Whether we become famous on earth, that's besides the point. We are heroes and heroines nonetheless. Like these men that I mentioned. They're not even mentioned in the great hall of faith in the book of Hebrews chapter 11. These are just ordinary men and ordinary women that believe in an extraordinary God. What is it this morning that is stopping you from becoming mighty heroes of the faith today? God hasn't changed. He is still superior to anything the enemy can throw at us. And all that is waiting for us all, let me say this again. All that he is waiting for is us to take his promises seriously and go boldly to the throne of grace. Let's quickly read Hebrews 10, and that would be the last scripture that I want to read. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence, confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus. I can't enter in by myself. I need the blood of Jesus. You need the blood of Jesus. You need to be born again. You need to be saved to be able to enter in with confidence into the holy place. He's a holy God. By the new and living way that He opened for us through the curtain that is through the, His flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Each one of us this morning, full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast. And this is one of those, this is one of those scriptures that I love. I actually almost preached on this, on that holding fast, the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. God has promised. You see, the book of, of Hebrews tells us as well that we have hope as an anchor for our souls. When the rough times come, we drop anchor. When the storms on the sea come, we drop anchor. And his name is Jesus. Hope is a person. His name is Jesus. 
It's a confident expectation of better things to come. Jonathan Edwards said this. He said, God, please stamp eternity on my eyeballs. I don't want to just be a person living for now. I want to see the long haul. I want to be there where He is. For eternity, I want to be with Him. That's the hope that we have. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works and not neglect to meet together as is the habit of some. You see, you can't do this on your own. But encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. He wants us to meet the enemy at the very point of attack, standing firmly against him in the name of Jesus Christ. And when we do so, God will back us up with the resources of heaven. Those that are for us are way more than those that are against us. Let's close our eyes this morning. Thank you, Lord. Ordinary heroes, Lord. Ordinary men and women that you call in this household, Lord. Here in George. People that have met with Jesus. That's what you're looking for. Men and women of faith. Men and women of hope. That have hope as an anchor for their souls. Father, I know this morning we've already, we've already put out those that want to surrender their lives to Jesus. But Father, even this morning, as people have been stirred, and you say by the hearing of the Word of God, this morning that there is a hope for you. I'm going to tell you this morning, you don't have to be desperate. There is hope for you. There's hope in the blood of Jesus. You can enter in to the throne room of grace with confidence. You can draw near, the Bible says. You can walk out those doors this morning, not wavering, not guessing, not, but knowing. So if you're here, I want to make another call this morning. If you're here this morning and you're hearing the Spirit's call, you're hearing, and, and maybe... Maybe your hands are all sweaty right now and you, your, your heart is beating in your chest. It's just Him wanting to draw you closer to Him. Maybe you're sitting here and you've never surrendered your life to Jesus. Just maybe quickly slip up your hand. I want to give another opportunity and never assume that everybody is saved. Maybe 